Welcome to Three Boys in a Bar, your weekly film and whiskey review podcast. Join us each week as we review a film and a whiskey. You can follow us on Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar, or send us an email with your own film reviews and whiskey recommendations. Three Boys in a Bar at gmail.com. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Three Boys in a Bar for our second episode. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us once again. Three Boys in a Bar, as you know, is the Cinebooze podcast where each week we review a movie and a whiskey. Uh, so we're going to jump straight into it, and this week it was Tom's choice to pick the movie, so over to you, Tom. Thanks, Will. Hey guys, how are you going? Good. Um, yes, yeah, so as foreshadowed in the last episode, today we are reviewing The Extraction. So barely a year after smashing box office records with Avengers Endgame, the Russo brothers returned this year with as producers for The Extraction, which is a visceral action thriller, which has garnered the highest premiere on Netflix to date. Um, the Extraction, it stars Chris Hemsworth. He's this guy called Tyler Rake. He's a private military contractor, grieving from the traumatic loss of his son, and he is sent to Dhaka in Bangladesh to rescue Ovi Mahajan, the son of a drug lord kidnapped by a rival to his father's criminal empire. After ruthlessly dispatching Ovi's captors, Tyler faces the dauntless task of evading gangsters, cops in the military, and even Saju, Ovi's bodyguard, to bring Ovi to safety. I thought this was... Um, I chose this movie because I'm a, I'm a huge action movie buff. I, I'm a huge fan of the Raid films and of the John Wick franchise, and that is why I decided I had to choose. I had to select Extraction as this week's episode, and it was a fantastic movie. Its strongest point are its action scenes. I think the outdoor scenes perfectly capture the claustrophobia of the dense urban sprawl in lockdown. I think... I think the weakest part of it is the writing in the film. I don't. Th- I think we're given enough of a backstory to Tyler's character, but I, and I think it all his dialogue just gives him enough to progress the plot. Um, but I would say that Chris Hemsworth has a presence in this film, and he is fully committed to playing the physical, physically demanding role of his character. I think um, I'm going to butcher this name here, but I thought Rudrusk Jaswal did a fantastic job as Ovi, but I don't think the script gave him a lot to. A lot of work to do. He was probably best introduced in the earlier scenes as just a kid, but I think by the time the action starts, he really doesn't have much of a role except to follow Chris Hemsworth around. Um, but I would have to say that I thought Randy Kuda really nails it as Saju, Ovi's bodyguard. He is tasked with rescuing Ovi out of fear for his family's safety, and his scenes with his wife Neza, played by Bollywood actress Neha Mahajan, is the most emotionally resting part of the film. As I said, the the key part of this movie is the action sequences, and they are absolutely, it, and they are absolutely fantastic. The director is Sam Hargrave, who has had a prolific career in stunt work. He was Chris Evans's stunt double in the Captain America movies, and he was also stunt coordinator for numerous other films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you enjoyed that epic fist fight in Atomic Blonde, Sam Hargrave is the ga- guy that you should thank mm. for that. And he's also recently taken on the role as second unit director for the last two Avengers movies. So for him to now be in the front, in the front and centre as director, this his debut was an impressive feat of fistfights, bullets, and explosions. I thought it was a, just a great movie. He's done a fantastic job. There is one particular action sequence. It's an 11-minute 
it's made to look like a tracking shot, a single tracking shot. Um, but I thought it had some impressive camera work and some really tight editing. Mm. So overall, I'd say it was, um, I'd say that Sam Hargrave definitely joins the ranks of Chad Stahelski and Gareth Evans of the Raid movies and the, um, uh, and the John Wick Frank movies. And I reckon we have a new director who is just as capable of making really exciting um, visceral experiences. And that's me. Cool. So, um, yeah. Marco, what did you think of this movie? Look, there, there is no doubt that uh, Extraction is a visceral and breakneck-paced action film, which usually is completely in my wheelhouse, and I love, like, I love the first two John Wick films, like, even harkening back to the days of The Matrix, which is mm. the... Obviously, there's the action, there's the intellectual side of that, but we won't go into that. But Extraction, for me, was not the full package. It... For me, the story was a little bit shallow and didn't really have any emotional depth, and depth until about maybe halfway through the film when Ovi and Tyler have quite a like an intimate exchange, albeit not exactly the best written sequence in the film. <laughs> but it is nice to see Chris Hemsworth doing something other than his like Thor larrikin comedic role and it's nice also to have an Australian character mm. played by an Australian in an American produced film which I think we all need right now um, but yeah like technically this film was quite phenomenal especially the, the 12 minute one in quotes one shot was technically very impressive I personally hate one shots I do not enjoy them, even though I know that they are incredibly difficult to pull off. They are, like, for me, it becomes a game of find where they cut, which I don't like. And that's maybe it's the burden of knowledge, maybe it's not, maybe I can't get mm. a get away from that. But um, the they should definitely be applauded for the effort they went to for those sequences because they technically were phenomenal. But. Um, yeah, I like. I think it does sort of harken back to the uh, Chad Saluskis of John Wick fame and all that sort of thing, where a stunt actor, come stunt coordinator, has now made the jump into directing, and I think it's a passable attempt. Like, I think it, as far as an action film goes, it it'll tick all the boxes for action fans. It has like amazing fist fights, gunplay, explosions, car chases, whatever. The, uh, the 12 year old boy inside you really wants <laughs> so uh, yeah no, it was a it was an interesting choice not one that I think I would have chosen to watch myself but I'm glad that uh, that you sort of flung it our way Tom what did you think Will? alright okay so guys I'm thinking this movie is basically James Bond meets Lion so <laughs> like I'm getting a lot of action with this kind of kind of thing thrown in there to try and make us really uh, connect to the movie and to the characters. So it's an action movie with um, a story that I think we've kind of seen before. So for me, story-wise, it's not doing anything new. But I think it does a lot of things that I hadn't seen before. And one of the things which you alluded to, Marco, was this um, uh, 
for me it was okay it might have been produced by Netflix but it's very much like an Australian co-prod with you know India so they shot in India and Thailand for the Bangladesh scenes but Australia India and obviously India is a big film market and I think mm. it's really exciting to see um, so much kind of collaboration between the film nations so anyway so I did like and so I felt that I was seeing something fresh from that perspective an action movie set in these um, foreign quite exotic locations with the Australian actor and quite a multinational cast so I thought that was absolutely to be applauded um, but yeah look I, I dig it for the the action as well there were some beautiful kind of moments particularly at the start or towards the start with like a punch to the nuts a slamming of a head into a brick wall um and yeah and then there's an incident with a rake uh which were all really great kind of action <gasps> secret moments <laughs> um but yeah i then felt that the kind of emotional yeah it felt like a subplot like thrown in there to make it make it make sense and for me I've, i felt just like i'd seen that sort of before so whether there were things that i have seen things that i haven't seen but uh, i don't necessarily think that makes it a bad film but yeah i don't know i thought i find it really interesting how well it's done on netflix and i think covid has a lot to do with that um mm -hmm. and i think netflix have been really because normally they're pretty tight with their viewership and how many people are watching what but they've actually come out and said this is doing as well as it is so there's obviously a lot in there for people to enjoy particularly while locked um locked down um and all the stunts and stuff are pretty yeah pretty top end so yeah for me it didn't really tickle my bones but i thought you know this is why we love our film because it's so subjective so that was me i think it's really interesting what you were raising before will about this being a netflix production um, one of the things that struck me was that if this had been if this had been a studio tempole or if this was a studio backed film it could have been a very different kind of movie because those that if it was going to go to a cinema they would have been wanting to um, produce the film in such a way that would have maximised box office takings but since it was Netflix and it was going to go straight to a, um, a straight it was going to go straight to digital distribution I think it's meant that the Russo brothers had a bit more latitude to create a more ambitious project like this one. And I certainly think the locations are worth, like I think there's some really beautiful cinematic shots of these locations and even, you know, Thailand standing in for Bangladesh. Like I think you really get a sense of the exotic nature of, you know, and even the small glimpse we get of Australia, it really kind of highlights you know, a particular part of the Australian landscape that's beautiful and stunning. So I think, um, I think there is a lot to like about what Netflix have done by creating something using these predominantly two cultures and shooting here that, yeah, perhaps would have been more limited or not on the cards for a bigger, bigger studio. Mm. It is interesting though, it, it, the film does kind of go back to what used to be the trope back in like the 60s and 70s where it's like the white man comes and saves someone from a, a different nationality like a lower mm. socioeconomic country so to speak and uh, it's interesting that this film doesn't seem to have got any backlash from that at all not saying that it should 
mm. but in a lot of ways I mean, it's a white protagonist going into a foreign country to save a foreigner from that country as well which is not something we haven't seen before but the fact that it seems to have been treated in in such a way that it is widely accepted and is actually garnering its success is great to see it's great to see like the breaking down of those barriers it would be nicer to see like maybe some of the like Indian actors and like stepping out of the Bollywood formula and into more of that westernized Hollywood action hero kind of thing I mean um, the thought process is like it sure it's great to see an Australian actor playing an Australian soldier and performing in what is mm. a passable film mm. but it would also be nicer to promote different cultures rather than having that whole white saviour yeah, I, I read an article, um, and I don't often do this, you know, reading films or reviews of films, but I was particularly interested because we were reviewing this one. And, um, yeah, somebody had made reference to this white saviour idea, and maybe because I'm white, it, it was absolutely not in my consciousness at all. And look, maybe maybe there is absolutely something in that, and Marco, I think your point is right, that, you know, where do we go in terms of typecasting and stereo? Casting, um, but I actually was really pleased in terms of what I think the film did really well was that we it, it felt like a really international cast, and I think absolutely your point, Tom, at the very start was that Hemsworth is really committed to it, to the role, and you know even if you know I personally thought I'd seen the story before it was a bit hackneyed at times, I, I actually thought the the multicultural element of it, um, that to me was actually really exciting because I felt like that was something new to my screen. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to love about it. Oh, and um, I'm not denying this is not an original film to any, by any regard. It's, um, it's very typically a B-grade action movie, um, but just done with some, some really nifty stunt work um, and some really good close-up camera work I was strongly reminded of the raid movies when I especially in that first action scene absolutely um, very the, claustrophobic yeah very... alright I'm going to have to claim ignorance the raid movies tell me never seen them um, fantastic movies they're Indonesian um, directed by <laughs> a Welshman called um, Gareth Evans who was this guy who was started started his career in, in England um, ultimately went over to Indonesia and did a documentary on a, the martial art called Merintau, and there he met some of the um, uh, world champions in that martial art, one of them being um, the lead actor of The Raid and, right. the Ra and The Raid 2. And he wasn't able to make, was actually intending to make The Raid 2 as his first film, but then that didn't do, but then because it was so ambitious, he went, he made like another film, and that was basically The Raid Redemption. And then that did so well that he was then able to garner the funding to make the second. Yeah, right. Really great yeah. films. And the, the raid is, it's effectively mm. one guy's going into a tower complex and has to reach the top. Mm. A reverse in, platform in, situation. In, 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 a, in a nutshell, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right, guys, so before we keep going, because I think we're well on our way, I think we should talk about the whiskey we're drinking. Um, so, Marco, this was your choice. Tell us, what are we drinking? And, yeah, go for it. So this week I chose a beautiful single malt scotch called the Balvenie Doublewood, 12 years. Uh, it's actually 
As, as the name kind of uh, suggests, it is distilled in two casks. It starts off in American oak, and then right at the end of the process, it's uh, transferred into a Spanish oak that was previously used for sherry. Mm. So, yeah, have a, have a sip of this, fellas. Yeah, I can definitely spell, smell the Spanish. <laughs> and what does sorry, that? And what, sorry, do, I don't and what know. does that smell like, Will? <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> I don't really want to kick off our second episode by insulting an entire nation. But uh, it's a like wow, beautiful it's light, whiskey, lighter than I expected, perhaps. Mm. Um, quite sharp it's at, at the start, which I like. And a, a little bit of smokiness too. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I was going to say like a tobacco-y kind of. So what? Um, what? What are we smelling, boys? I, I just might add that, um, given our isolation, this is our first podcast where we are able to do this live and in person. Mm-hmm. So we are all drinking the same whiskey from the same bottle, in different glasses, <laughs> in socially isolated glasses. That's right. At a socialized lady distance, and if you can hear the noise in the background, <laughs> that is Marco's rabbit. <laughs> so uh, yeah, who we might even put up on our Instagram so you can see a photo of him. It is it is a him, right? It is a him. What's its What's its name? His name is Du Du. Yeah. It's uh, it's Chinese for Commander in Chief. Oh. And uh, doesn't he know it? I was going to say, yeah, and if this podcast never sees the light of day, <laughs> we know why. <laughs> mm. um, anyway, back to the whiskey. Um, I reckon it's got, like, on the nose, it's got a little bit of honey in there. Maybe a hint of vanilla? Or what are we thinking? So just so everyone's clear, like, I'm, I enjoy whiskey, but I have no idea what I'm talking about and I'm purposely using this podcast to educate myself more so when you say what's on the nose I get whiskey <laughs> whiskey but it's pretty delicious okay, so if you were to describe the smell of this whiskey without using the word whiskey that's <laughs> usually it's, what it means it's yellow I'm going to throw it to Tom smell, it smells Tom, like yellow you're Tom. putting me in a very bad position right now <laughs> um no, I can't. I can't. I can't comment because I'm still in the process of educating myself about whiskey. Um, I um, have had an interesting experience with whiskey in the past, and it actually happened right after we saw Avengers Endgame. So that was only a year ago. I'm still in the process of learning. So Marco, I'll have to divert back to you. What What do you smell? <laughs> well, I've already given my my notes on the nose, but um, yeah, I think it's a beautiful. A beautiful whiskey, not for the faint of heart, but mm. um, certainly quite nice. I will add that we are all drinking it neat, um, but I think it would probably do all right with one ice cube, maybe slightly chill, but mm. the smokiness is beautiful and it's a little bit sharp at the start. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely not your entry-level whiskey. Um, no. and, and Tommy, you allude to a evening that I wasn't present at, but I heard a lot about, and while there may not be a spoiler episode for the extraction, we could also always do a spoiler episode <laughs> on what happened after watching Endgame, drinking whiskey with Marco. Yeah, so obviously this podcast has only it's only come from what we know, which is film and then drinking. So, yeah. um, but uh, welcome back to the whiskey fold, Tom. It's been a while. Mm, thank you very um, much. 
How's it going, Dan? Yeah, going well. It's going... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? It happened, it was just like tonight, uh, as we're recording this episode. It was actually during a time when we were watching a movie and ref- like reflecting on it and drinking whiskey at the same time, which mm. is exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's, think... let's hope we all remember the podcast tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. All right. So that's, just give us a, what is mm. the whiskey again? Give us it one more time. So this is the, the Balvenie Double Wood, 12 years old, single malt Scotch whiskey, available from all good alcoholic retailers. <laughs> <laughs> and we promise we aren't getting kickbacks. All right. Back into the film. All right, who wants to do the, I hate the phrase, but the deep dive? Who wants to get, get deeper? I think somebody was uh, referencing the raid, and we were going to segue into the single shot. Look, I think the segue is absolutely there. The 12-minute single shot chase sequence. Mm. Ch- chase sequence? Yeah. Sequence. Technically, absolutely phenomenal. The, like seeing watching the behind the scenes seeing the director himself being mounted to the bonnet of the follow vehicle then unclipping jumping out and putting the camera in the back seat of the car and then doing the inverse at a different location was like I can't even imagine how technically frustrating that single bit must have been and apparently that one bit where where he did that, like following the vehicle, got out and then put the camera in the back of the car. They did 21 takes of that individual shot because they needed the timing to be perfect from the passing in to the passing out on the other shot. So, yeah, the, from a technical perspective, that was the most amazing sequence in that entire film. Just to pause you there, so are you saying that the director was behind the camera for this? Yes. So the director obviously being a stunt performer and a stunt coordinator there is often what's known as a stunt operator which is basically short for stunt camera operator like a bit of work that i did on preacher back in the day worked quite closely with one of the stunt operators and he was quite literally in the fight scene like choreographed in with his camera ducking and weaving and everything and was amazing absolutely phenomenal to see his work and like doing all of the stunts effectively but with a camera in his hands was amazing now that's exactly what um sam hargrave has done in this film which i I think that just shows his commitment to his craft as a stunt performer as well as his craft as a director and as a stunt cinematographer because i mean to strap yourself to the front of the car like as a stunt performer when someone's telling you what to do sure Choosing to put yourself on the front of the car again and again and again and again, like I, I raise my glass to you, Sam Hargrave. You've um, like you've really raised the bar when it comes to stunt cinematography. Mm. And the action scenes are, abs- are very impressive. Um, as as you were saying, as you were highlighting before, Will, um, we were strongly reminded, Marco and I, of the Raid movies when we saw this. And there was a particular, just thinking about, you know, the, the kind of editing that they did to film that, that sequence made me think of the prison, the prison riot scene in The Raid 2. They, they have kind of have a, there are some similar, tech, like similar techniques that they apply to edit in between the sequences, but they put it all together to make it look like it was all one shot. 
it's a fantastic it was a really great sequence and it was definitely the highlight of the movie I thought yeah I, it was actually very funny because it was the first time in the movie that I was watching it going man there are a lot of extras going down like the body <laughs> count in this film is out of control I was sitting there thinking man if you tried to play a drinking game to this you would be out cold before 10 minutes through it's like it's unbelievable <laughs> oh there's going to be a YouTube video at some stage that actually does the body count yeah. for you yeah. at some stage it's, it's, it's going to yeah. happen it's <laughs> I think and, and you know like I'm all for action films and I you know absolutely understand you know them as a genre and I kind of dig it but there was a point I was like, there are so many guys going down here that we're just not even kind of getting any sense of, you know, sure, um, Hemsworth is playing this, you know, hardened fighter, warrior, soldier, but like he's dropping them down like nobody's business. And then, you know, we get the odd kind of teary scene where he's like, you know, oh, if you know what I've done, it's tormenting me. And, you know, you, you look more like a brat. <laughs> I mean, look, again, I know stylistically what the film is. I, I, I don't think that we need any commentary on, you know, death or what we really think of war or mercenaries in this kind of context. But I did think that there was a lot of a lot of people going down with with it was just way too easy. But again, it's kind of what it is. So, but it is, yeah, like mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely, it is what it is. And I, and just one you were saying before, I totally agree. Um, this. Like this movie didn't get the emotional beats right. Um, I don't think the they really didn't have. There was not very good dialogue in those scenes, which is, I think, is surprising because it was written by Joe Russo, mm. um, who's had you know he and the like the Russo brothers have had experience mm. with Arrested Development, Community, and you know the whole Avengers movies. So I thought, but I I mean I'm trying to understand why they wrote the movie the way they did and my conclusion is that I think they were trying to make Chris Hemsworth very much a person who lives alone and because he lives alone he doesn't really say much and if he has to say anything it will just be you know what is relevant yeah. so he's trying so, to like sort of hearkening back to John Wick meets Mad Max Fury Road yeah and I, but I mean the stoic protagonist I guess exactly exactly and I think and I think this is where and this is where I found Ovi's character to be really interesting because I think there was a lot to there's there's definitely you know some people could say that there's a lot to go there's a lot there was a lot to cover in terms of the fact that he's the son of a drug lord and you would you would think that that would have some element to this story and it's completely absent it's but I think that actually works like the way the film starts is he is just a kid hanging out with his friends. And then you have these great wide takes of him in this big house all by himself. I and thought that shot of him at the piano. Yeah. I actually thought cinematically that was one of the most beautiful, beautiful shots. Shot. Yeah, I loved it. I loved the reflection on the like the, the black marble floor or mm. whatever it was. But it was but you know, like that I actually thought those scenes were fantastic because mm. it was just, you know, Hovey's not a, he's not going he's not his father's son. He's just mm. a kid who um, lives a normal life. It's just the fact that he is the son of a drug lord that incites the story and brings Chris Hemsworth into the fray. Mm. Um, but, you know, that that was... Which was really great, but then the problem was is that there just wasn't any room for him and it was really difficult to develop him as a character mm. and there wasn't much to go on with. So, mm. I th yeah, I, that's that was 
which um, I think was, which I think is um, uh, unfortunate, but I can at least understand why they made that choice, especially mm. because saving Ovi is a big part of um, Tyler's redemption in the film. Sure. Mm. Now, speaking of Tyler, <clears throat> excuse me, but speaking of Tyler, I, as a protagonist, I don't think he really even remotely hit his stride until until everything went pear-shaped in the extraction. His, for me, his character arc of just being, I do this because I don't care about my life. If he doesn't care about his life so much, why does he even bother doing the jobs? Like, it's... Like, the the driving force for him to even do the jobs in the first place just didn't seem to be there for me. I mean, like, he's drinking himself into a stupor. He's on hocked up on pain meds mm-hmm. in the middle of the outback with his other mates... Yeah. And that's it. And he gets hired from time to time, to time by this group that, unfortunately, we never learn more about because I actually thought that the group dynamic that was could have cool. been really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, side note, the uh, the sniper character whose name eludes me was actually played by Sam Hargrave. Oh, that's right. That is right. Sam Hargrave with a massive bushy beard oh, no that you never... Wow. You would never pick that it's him. Because I really If anyone actually that. knows what directors look like. But yeah. Because I thought, um, I thought that that sequence right at the end where uh, the sniper is in play without giving much away, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, they were able to introduce mm. a couple of characters and just give them enough, enough of a enough description for you to have an idea of who they are. Yeah, I agree, Marco. I think I think it would have been great to have a bit more idea of the organisation that um, Tyler works for. Um, there was definitely like some kind of dynamic but they didn't really go into it yeah like all these relationships that he's clearly he's clearly worked with these people before he knows them well because I mean again I don't remember the character's name because realistically she wasn't super important to the plot but um, her coming to get him at the very start of the film there's concern there's Mm. it's not just a job she actually cares I mean there's there's some sort of uh sexual tension that could be sort of could be alluded to yeah yeah. and thankfully they never go down any sort of route like that because i think that would just Mm. be pandering at that point that's very james bond i thought that was the bit that it really deviated from that thing absolutely yeah but the fact that they had a relationship of Mm. some kind where they she definitely cared about him but not enough to actually you know help him out of his issues Mm. rather Mm. than just hiring him for a job it's like I wanted to know more about that more mm. than the extraction that actually happened afterwards. For yeah. me, yeah. the job was less interesting than the setup and the organisation, as you put it, mm. behind this mercenary job. Which sort of brings to mind like the Mission Impossible movies. You know that you get a lot more of that. Who's behind this? Um, you know who's working with who? And then of course introduces this sort of double agent kind of thing, um, and. Yeah, we don't learn a lot about the group, but as we've learnt, there is a sequel in the works. So yes. who knows? We may learn a bit more. Much to my chagrin. <laughs> well, look, without giving too much away, I, I did think that Chris Hemsworth ends up looking a little bit like Jim Caviezel in um, Passion of the Christ right at the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the fact that, that um, you know... <laughs> Um, yeah. No, that's not a spoiler. That's like literally yeah. um, revealed at the very, the very first scene of the movie. 
Which is an interesting flashback. Yeah, and and like like I think two two things um, that I do always find interesting. One is showing the end right at the start of the film, so as a viewer, you kind of get that sense of where you're going, um, and what what as a technique that adds or detracts to the film watching experience to a film generally. Then the other flashbacks we obviously get um, right throughout the film which alludes to Tyler's past and like for me again that went into the sort of slightly more hammy element of the storytelling mm. um, particularly with the unfocused and then coming into focus of what the memory was but just as storytelling techniques both those things one the showing the end right at the beginning of the film and then those flashbacks for the character that trying to trying to imbue this kind of emotional rationality for his actions and whether they really worked (laughs) I I think the emotional flashback is a bit of a dated trope at this point and I think that it was a necessary one for this Mm. film because this film was not interested in really exploring his mental state and his like the actions that he takes because of that um so the the flashbacks are a good way for a lot of people to get the get the backstory without getting the meat, mm-hmm. With, without too much like exposition. Yeah, yeah. Without you know actual character building. <laughs> and Tom, what about what about the I guess technique or the um, of showing the end of the film at the start? I think I actually don't think it worked. I think. Um, I mean, I think you had to. I mean, you had, they had to. They had to hook you in somehow, and in that respect, it did its job. But like, I think by the by the when you watch that first shot, you kind of already have an idea of what's going to happen to him. Mm. Um, so it kind of takes the tension away a little bit. I thought. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say it necessarily worked. Yeah, and look again. It's not. It's not the first film to ever have done it. I'm just curious as a as a yeah technique i can't think of a better word than that but um yeah well the, the question is whether as an audience do we care about whether he succeeds or fails knowing what we know from that initial you know being mm. shown the end at the start yeah i feel like we don't really as like as much as the um as much as uh <laughs> i'm gonna butcher this as well <laughs> uh rudrashk jaswal yeah, yeah. Playing uh, Ovi did a good job in the character that he was given. Mm-hmm. I don't think that ultimately myself as the audience didn't really care too much mm. about him as a character. Mm. So whether whether Rake succeeded or failed didn't really matter in the end. Mm. So showing what happens at the end, at the start, doesn't change the stakes at all. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of emotion... Sorry, well, I, no, no, you I was going to say, like, in terms of emotional investment, what did you think of Saji? I actually thought that that was the most interesting part of the film, particularly in the terms of the story, because there was the sense of whose side is he on. And I think um, because of also his relationship to his family, he was being pulled in a lot of different directions. So that, uh, as a storyline, if you like, um, I found that really interesting to watch. Um, and yes, I didn't believe, uh, I didn't know where he sat in relationship to, you know, both the other protagonists, um, the kid or um, Tyler. So, yeah, 
I actually really I thought that that was interesting and really new and the fact that he was yeah fell into numerous categories of good guy bad guy all this sort of stuff and and that it left me as a viewer guessing who he was and, and pretty unsure so even the way it resolves and without giving too much away I I thought him as a character was the most interesting because of that fact well that begs the question should Saja have been the protagonist it would have made for a more interesting story I thought would it would the I'd, movie have sold <laughs> would the movie have sold as much <laughs> look you've got the beauty of Chris Hemsworth because he is a beautiful man or the emotional journey that Saja goes through and the beautiful performance from Randeep Huda. Mm. Brilliant. And yeah. also, obviously, just like Hemsworth, doing his own stunts in like the, the major fight scenes as well, which is no small feat, which takes months of training mm. to get to that level. And someone like Hemsworth, who has clearly worked on mm. like the Marvel films, has done action films since the day he popped out of the womb. <laughs> Um, yeah. he held his own against that and I agree I think I feel like it would have been a much more interesting film if we followed Saju and followed his arc mm. more is there a better action actor than Hemsworth right now because for all we're saying and for all I'm kind of poo-pooing it I can't help think though that he carries the film for many mm. different reasons and I can't fault the guy for having the career and for playing this role as he does because I think he, you know, you say he's a beautiful man. He's an absolute unit. He's 100% committed, as you said earlier, Tom. And I think for all we might, or I might talk about story, I think no one could be disappointed in Hemsworth as an action hero. Uh, undoubtedly. Absolutely not. I mean, he is mm. easily the most marketable action talent mm. actor. And it is a di- and it's a difficult it's a difficult position to be mm. in because he's clearly um, a traumatized individual and I think the and I think him not having a lot to say is mm. part of that mm. and so, yeah. so he has Tom, Tom speaking to the character <laughs> not to Chris Hemsworth I'm speaking, <laughs> to, the, I'm speaking yeah. to the character the character <laughs> of uh, Tyler Rake yeah, yeah. Um, but you know Chris Hemsworth really just I think really his he had he was a he's clearly a ruthless individual. Um, brooding and mm. haunted, and I think, I think that was that was really all Chris Hemsworth needed to do, mm. and he did that really well. Mm. And look, the one scene in particular where I feel like there is a emotional depth to to his character and indeed the character of the child, he really has the acting chops to go there. Like mm. I actually um, have a lot of respect for him because I mean he's charging around, um, you know, slinging guns and all the rest of it for the majority of this film, and then. In, in this one particular moment really uh, you know as an actor respect because it, it absolutely does everything he needs to do without overplaying it and even though there may be some hammy dialogue or hammy setups throughout it I absolutely 100% believe him in that moment so you know for I you know can say against the story if I like I think you know he delivers absolutely what we would expect um, and an audience loves to watch in this kind of film, including this one moment where there's, you know, the backstory comes into, you know, the main storyline and, and we kind of get what we need to get out of the character. So I think, gentlemen, now it comes to the scores that we gave this film. So I, I think we need to go in reverse order. We need to finish with Tom. So we'll, we'll hear your score last. Will, how, okay. did you, how did you score this? So here at Three Boys in a Bar, we have a quite a simple scoring system 
out of five for story, performance, direction, and technical for an overall maximum of 20. So, Will. All right. Well, I've already, I mean, I've spoken a lot this episode about the story, so I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a three because I thought while we didn't say anything new, it, it, it did what it did for an action film and I'll leave it there. Performances, as we were just talking about Chris Hemsworth, I think it was definitely passable. So that I'm giving another three. The direction, yeah, it ticked all, all the boxes. It was really solid. So I'm just going to go with three again. And look, I gave the technical four because I just thought um, we've talked uh, quite a bit about the action and it was really, it really did take the notch up. And I, I didn't touch on it before, but I do want to make mention of in that 12 minute single shot scene, there was no underscoring and it was purely sound effects, which I thought was really cool. And so as a standout technical feature, I thought the score uh, or the sound effects and the Foley in that particular sequence was really great and really strong. So that gives me, what's that? Three, six, 10, 13 out of 20. Thanks Will. Well, uh, so yeah, much the same for me story I wasn't quite uh, willing to give it quite as high as Will did. I gave it a two. I thought it had some interesting elements, but I think ultimately the emotional sort of investment that I had was very minimal for the characters for at least two thirds of the film. Um, the story itself was passable as as an action film often stories are, but yep, uh, performance-wise, gave it a three. I thought Hemsworth was phenomenal. I thought Randy Hooda was phenomenal as well. Um, once again, <laughs> Rudrashk Jaswal as Ovi was good for a child actor, not phenomenal. Um, and also, is it David Harbour as well was a good little cameo in there, mm. um, which we haven't mentioned, but for very good reason. Um, <laughs> But the performances are three. Um, direction, I also gave a three. I thought the the action sequences couldn't be faulted, which is exactly what you would expect from a stunt coordinator come director. So that was great. And in terms of the technical, I gave it a five. Got to go back to that the twelve minute one shot. You can't do that without being technically perfect and. I think they nailed that sequence, which gives me a score of thirteen out of twenty. So I, I am, I, I'm actually very. I think my scoring is very similar to Will, except for one area. In the writing, I gave it a three. I thought the dialogue was unfortunately not very strong. Um, but I mean, I think in terms of how, but I mean, I think in terms of how the plot progressed, I was, I think it was fine. It was. It was a good effort, so I, I'm giving that a three. Um, the performances, I'm also giving a three. I thought Chris Hemsworth um, did a really good job. I think um, I, I think all the performances were great, and it was a, and it was really great to just see a really good, well-rounded cast of Australian and Indian actors mm. um, in this film. Um, it was really refreshing and really great to see some of the talent. Um, that I wouldn't otherwise see in a movie, mm. um, so I'm giving. But I'm giving that a three again. I think the dialogue didn't give them, didn't give a lot of the actors a lot of work to do, um, but they did the best they could, and I, I can't fault them for that. I think they all did really well. Um, directing, I'm going to give it a four because I think Sam Hargrave had a really difficult job of being a 
he was he was the he was the director of this film for a feature for a feature film debut. That he's done a masterful job, and as stunt coordinator, he did a it was a really well choreographed um, movie. Some really exciting action sequences, and really at the end of the day, this is an action movie, and that is what and if that's and that was what he set out to do to make the best action movie possible, and I think he did a great job. So I'm giving that a four, and then finally on the technical side, I'm also giving it a four. Um, so that comes to a score of 14 for me. So once again, not much between us, even though quite difference in our spread of the points. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. So finally, I mean, I was going to ask the question, watch or miss. I think the Netflix viewership has kind of taken that out of my hands. Um, what do you guys reckon? I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's whether you whether you really enjoy action flicks or not, it is entertaining, even if you're on your phone half the time. Oy. If there's one thing, yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth a watch. If there's one thing I just want to say quickly, it's what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done is not just create a, a great big movie franchise, but it's also created a professional network of talent through which the Russo brothers can now just mine into various... Um, they can now get, you know, Chris Hemsworth. They got, as Marco hinted, they got David Harbour, who's actually in the upcoming Black Widow movie. Um, so they just have all the resources to make the kinds of movies they want. And now, and the flexibility, their flexibility in terms of getting a movie made on Netflix has meant that they um, can also have greater flexibility in the sort of creative risks they want to take with a movie. So I think on that level, that's worth seeing. And for me, I was kind of borderline, but then I'm reminded of the location shots. Uh, I think it delivers everything you want from an easy to see action film. So with some reluctance, I'm going to say it's a watch for me. All right, guys, well, that's it for episode two. We were all in agreement, I think, that this uh, movie did not require a spoiler episode. So this is where we'll leave it for week two. So thanks everyone for joining us. But of course, we can't leave without announcing next week's film which is my choice <laughs> so I've just announced myself <laughs> so um, take it away yeah. <laughs> Thanks, um, so next week guys we are going to be watching I Am Mother so this isn't a super new release it was released mid last year mid 2019 and it's a movie that stars Hilary Swank and Rose Byrne uh, and was made here in in Australia, in South Australia, not where we're recording. But um, yeah, and I just thought it was uh, appropriate that we do a film that at least had, you know, a little bit of an Australian tie. Of course, we did just watch The Extraction with Hemsworth. So uh, this is in keeping a little bit with that spirit. Um, so yeah, check that out. And who's on Whiskey Duties for next week? I believe that's Tom. So is my role. Yeah, yeah, so which whiskey are we going to be partaking of next week? Or are you going to leave that up to surprise? Well, Marco, um, I'll have a, I'm going to have to think about this one, but I'm probably thinking we should go with something Australian. Good, good call. Um, so let me just do some digging and um, I will let you know what I find and we'll have a, we'll have a discussion about it next week. Beautiful. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us on uh, Three Boys in a Bar. The first ever live recorded, not via Zoom, which has been fantastic. 
because we're not going to be talking about the disease that's going around because <laughs> we all want to escape from that. But um, thank you very much for listening and uh, join us next week for I Am Mother with a mysterious Australian whiskey to boot. Thank you very much, boys. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Thanks, Will. Cheers. Thanks, Marco. Hey, thanks for listening to Three Boys in a Bar. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar or send us your own whiskey and film recommendations to threeboysinabar at gmail.com. Stay tuned for a spoiler cast if we have one happening this week. Otherwise, we'll catch you next time. Thank you.